I want to take a few moments and just talk to you about those verses we read in John chapter 3. On the back of your bulletin, there's some notes if you'd like to fill those out, and I will speed along quickly because our time is just about gone. We had a few extra things this morning, but uh, we'll try to get you out here as quickly as possible. I want to talk to you about the subject, you must be born again. The Bible makes it very clear in this passage of Scripture that we must be born again. I heard about a preacher one time. He preached hundreds of times on the same topic, you must be born again. And somebody asked him one time, said, why do you keep preaching on you must be born again? And he said, because you must be born again. Amen? And we know that we must according to God's word. Notice, I want you to look with me first of all at the definition of the new birth. We're talking about being born again or the new birth. What does that mean? Jesus said in verse number 3, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. In verse 7, he said, Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. What does that mean? The term born again is translated from two Greek words. The one word is geneo, which means to procreate primarily of the Father. And the other word is anothen, which means from above. Now think about that for a minute. Born again means to procreate primarily of the Father from above. That pretty well explains being born again, doesn't it? We are born again from above by the Father through the Word of God. To be born the first time is to take on the features and the characteristics and the weaknesses and the limitations of our earthly parents. But when we're born the second time, we take on the features and the characteristics and the strengths and the abilities of our Heavenly Father. And I'm thankful that when I was born again, I got some of the characteristics of the Heavenly Father. In our life, if you're saved and born again, there ought to be some differences in our life. We ought to have some of those characteristics in our life. Secondly, I want us to look at an illustration that's given to us in this passage of Scripture about the new birth. Nick, well, look down at verse 14, and then I'll come back to, to the thought about Nicodemus. In verse 14, it says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. I'll explain that verse in just a moment. Nicodemus was a ruler of the Jews back in verse number 1. It says there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. That meant that he was a very religious man. He was a religious person, a religious leader as far as the Jewish people were concerned. No doubt he was concerned, as other leaders were, about the harsh conditions that they were living under because they were living under Roman rule at that time. And he had probably murmured about the circumstances that they were going through, just like the nation of Israel had murmured about the circumstances they were going through in the wilderness. It was tough as they went through that 40-year wilderness journey and the children of Israel had forgotten the mighty works that God had done for them in bringing them out of the land of Egypt. And all they were looking at was the present circumstances that they were going through. And initially, they began to murmur and complain. You know, the Bible has a lot to say, and I could preach a whole message just on murmuring. In fact, I've done that before. But they began to murmur against God. Why did you let this happen? Why are we going through this? Why do we not have enough food? Why do we not have... If it was our day, they'd be saying, why are the gas prices so high? Why are groceries so high? Why are, we, why are we not making more money? And if we aren't careful, even as Christians, we can begin to murmur and complain, can't we? Instead of looking at all the good things that God has done for us. You know, the Lord did a lot of good things this week when we saw these kids and 
Young people get saved and baptized. And there's a lot of good things God's doing for us in spite of the problems that we have. But the children of Israel began to murmur against God, and God sent fiery serpents, fiery snakes, and initially those that were bitten by the snakes died. Now, aren't you glad snakes don't come into your house every time you murmur and complain? How many of you'd be dead if that, you don't have to raise your hand? Probably all of us would be dead by now if that was the case. But they murmured against God, and God sent these serpents, and when they were bitten, they were died, and finally they realized that this was God's judgment, and so they came to Moses and asked Moses to cry out to God. And Moses did that. He cried out to God, and God told Moses, God said, I want you to take a, a, a pole, and I want you to make a brazen serpent, and put it on that pole, and set it up in the middle of the, of the camp, or the middle of the city. That's where we get our symbol for a medical doctor. You have a pole. You've seen it on the license plate sometimes of medical people. It would be a pole with a serpent around it. came from all the way back here in the Old Testament. But they would set that, medic, that, that pole up there, and then God said whenever somebody was bitten by a snake, they were to look on that serpent. Look at that serpent that was there, and they would be healed. And when they understood that, they would bring their relatives or whoever got bit, they would run to the pole and they would look and they would be healed. Now, in the Bible, brass, that was a brazen serpent. Brass is a picture of sin. And the Bible tells us about Jesus. It says, he who knew no sin. Jesus had never sinned, amen? amen. He who knew no sin became sin for us. Jesus became my sin and your sin. And when, when, when he went to the cross, he was nailed to that cross, and he was lifted up on that cross because he was taking the wrath of God on him. He became our sin, and he took the wrath of God for my sin. And so verse 14 says, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Jesus was saying to them, I'm going to be lifted up on that cross, just like Moses lifted up that serpent. And they looked and they believed that they would be healed. He said, I will be lifted up on the cross. And when people look to me and believe that it is my suffering and my shed blood on that cross, that I took the wrath of God on me, when people will look and believe. In fact, he said the next verse, Whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. When we put our faith and trust in the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross... Guess what? We're healed as well of our spiritual disease of sin, and we're healed and forgiven and made whole in the eyes of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the eyes of Almighty God. Well, I'm sure that when Moses first made that serpent and put it up, he probably had some people mocked and made fun of him. And Nicodemus probably had some people that made fun of him when he came. In fact, the Bible says in verse number 2, it says, the same came to Jesus by night. Some of the religious leaders there, they were, they were not convinced that Jesus was the Messiah. And I'm sure many of them mocked and made fun of Nicodemus, so he came at nighttime. You know, sometimes people are afraid of what others are going to think and what other people are going to say. If I, get, if I get saved, if I give my life to Jesus Christ, if I change, if I let God change me, people are going to laugh at me, mock at me, make fun of me. Let me ask you a question. Aren't you glad Jesus didn't come down from that cross or refuse to go to the cross because he's afraid of what people would say about him. Has anybody ever mocked the Lord Jesus? They did him, didn't they? 
They mocked him and they crucified him. They nailed him to that old rugged cross. And so the Lord tells us that if we'll look to that cross and believe, we too can have eternal life. Now, what is the necessity of the new, the new birth? Why do we need to be saved and be born again? There's, there's some verses here, if you'll look back at verse number 5 of, of chapter 3 of John, it says, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. God talks about the water and the Spirit. And, and it's interesting that he tells us that we, when we get saved, we cry out to the Lord, we ask him, and there are a number of verses in the Bible that talk about that. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How is a cry necessary for a new birth? When a baby is born, that baby is, is brought from the womb. And, you know, sometimes a baby can be brought out of the womb and be born and be what we call stillborn, and there's no life in it. Just because the baby is born, there's no life. And that, of course, is a grief to everybody. But normally, immediately after the baby is born, a part of that birthing process is to get that new baby to breathe, right? And so sometimes the doctor may have to smack that baby on the behind and get it to take a gasp of air and breathe. And the baby, usually that first breath is, is expressed in a cry. That baby begins to cry. In a similar way, the spiritual birth when a newborn trusts Jesus Christ as our Savior, we cry out to God. On one, on one example in the Bible, the man said, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. The thief on the cross cried out to God. Has there ever been a time in your life when you cried out to God and acknowledged, God, I'm a sinner, and I deserve, I've broken your laws, I've failed you, I deserve to spend eternity in hell, but I believe, as as Brother Nelson saying, that Jesus died on that cross and paid for my sin. Nobody has to go to hell because Jesus died for every one of us, didn't he? And if we'll call upon him. Acts chapter 2 verse 21 says, It shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans 10 13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 1 Corinthians 1 2 says that they called, he said, We are called to be saints with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. We call upon him and we trust him as our Lord and Savior. Now, what is the cry that brings salvation? What is it that we cry? You know, sometimes people say, well, preacher, I don't know if I said the right thing. I don't know if I, if I said exactly the right words. Well, the important thing is God knows what's in your heart, right? When the thief on the cross said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, that might have not have been the best words to say, but it, were the, it was the right words for that time, wasn't it? You don't have to know everything about the Bible, and you don't have to understand everything about the Bible and to be saved. All you have to understand is you're a sinner, and we have sinned and deserve to spend eternity in hell, and Jesus paid that sin debt for us. And if we'll ask him, if we'll cry out to him and ask him, he will save us, and he will make us a part of his family. Let me read a couple of verses in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18. It says in verse number 10 of Luke 18, Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee, the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. 
I give tithes to all the, of all that I possess. And then the next verse says, And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much his eyes into heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Listen to what Jesus said. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. One man lifted up his eyes in pride and said, I thank God I'm not like all these other people here. I'm not sinners like all of these others. I tithe. I, I go to church. I live a good life. I don't do what all that. And the other man, he wouldn't even lift up his head. He just said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Which one got saved? It was the second one, wasn't he? It wasn't the one that boasted and was prideful of all that he had done. It was the one that said, I don't deserve heaven. I don't deserve it, but I believe. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And then I want you to see the ingredients of the new birth. The ingredients. There are two things that he talks about here in John chapter 3 and verse 5. He said, I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit. First of all, there's the water that's involved. Now, let me say very quickly, the water there is not the water in the baptistry up there that we got baptized in. Folks got baptized a while ago. What is he talking about when he says the water? Well, Jesus is identifying two factors that are related to new, the new birth. Being born of water, being born of the Spirit. He's talking about physical birth and spiritual birth. Amen. And so he makes that very clear in verse 6. He says that which is born of the flesh is flesh. He's talking about physical birth. And then that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. That's the spiritual part of it. So he makes an analogy here between physical birth and spiritual birth. And it's interesting to, con to consider the context and the purpose of the water that surrounds the unborn baby. When the mother's carrying the baby, there are some analogies to the water of the Word in the Bible when we are born again. And Peter makes that connection between water and the Word of God. He says in 1 Peter 1.21, being born again not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. In the womb, that ambionic fluid surrounds the baby, and its presence is vital to the safety and the health and the development of the baby in the womb. Similarly, the word of God is a vital component before and after we're born spiritually. Before we're born, the Word of God, we hear it, and the Holy Spirit of God convicts us, and we understand that it's by the Spirit of God. God's Holy Spirit lets me know I'm a sinner, and I need to be saved. Sometimes people think, well, I'll get saved if I just could keep all the Ten Commandments. Well, I don't think any of us have kept all of them, have we? If we went down the list, it wouldn't take very long for us to figure out we are a sinner. God said, thou shalt, first of all, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Do you, have any other, you say, well, I don't worship any other god. I don't have any idols. But do you know anything you and I put before God in our life becomes an idol? Takes God's place. And then he said that we should not make any, any graven images or bow down to them. We're not to make statues. We're not to bow down. People bow down and worship Buddha, and they worship all kinds of other things. God says, you're not to do that. If you're a child of God, you don't do that. And then he tells us to remember the Sabbath day. Now, we don't honor the Sabbath day in the sense that it was a day of rest for the Old Testament people, 
Jesus Christ rose on the first day of the week, and so we worship and celebrate on the first day of the week, the Resurrection Day. We call it the Lord's Day, Resurrection Sunday. And every Sunday when we come together like this, we're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we honor the first day of the week, and we could spend a lot of time explaining that from the Word of God. And then he says, Honor thy father and mother, that it may be well with thee, and thy days may be long upon the earth. Have you ever dishonored your dad or mom? There's a lot of people could learn a lot about just honoring father and mother, couldn't they? God says, that's one of the Ten Commandments. We're to honor dad and mom. And here's the interesting thing. The Bible says that's the first commandment with promise. What's the promise? That we would live long upon the earth and it would be well with us. Are things going well with you? It might be you haven't been honoring your father and mother. It's another one of the commandments. And then he said, thou shalt not kill or murder. We're not to murder anybody. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Do you ever steal anything? Probably every one of us have to raise our hand. We took something that wasn't ours or something we were told not to take. Thou shalt not bear false witness. We're not to lie about somebody else. Thou shalt not covet. We're not to want what they have in the sense that I don't want you to have it, I want me to have it. And it doesn't take very long. God gives us those. Keeping those commandments does not save us and take us to heaven. Then why did God give us the commandments? The Bible says they're a schoolmaster that brings us to Christ. The Ten Commandments lets me know I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. They can't take away my sin, Jesus Christ can, but they let me know I need Jesus. I need my sins forgiven. I need to come to Him and be saved. So he talks about the water and the Word, and then the Spirit. Jesus made it clear we must be born of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God is the one who inspired men to write the Word of God. And as we read it and as we hear it, we believe it, and the Holy Spirit convicts us and draws us. 1 Corinthians 12, 3 says, No man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. I asked each of those that were baptized, What is your confession? And each of them said, Jesus Christ is Lord. Paul said in Romans chapter 10, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, what? The Lord Jesus Christ. We confess Jesus Christ as our Lord. In John 16 and verse 8, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin and righteousness and judgment. And as we hear the Word of God and hear the law of God, it lets us know that we need to be born again. What happens when we're born again? 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. When I trust Christ as my Savior... I become a different person. Things start changing in my life. They don't all change immediately, but things start changing. In the rest of my life, things ought to keep changing as I become more like Jesus Christ. And then the evidences. What are the evidences? If I've really been born again, how do I know that? Let me give you some ways you can know it. First of all, we have a new love for God's Word. Let me ask you a question. Do you have any desire to read God's Word? You, have any, you know, a lot of Christians, they bring their Bible to church on Sunday, and anymore, a lot of people don't even bring their Bible to church. Uh, I could sometimes say, would you take out your phones and turn to John chapter 3, you know? And that's all right. I'm not saying anything against that, but I'm just saying, do you read your Bible anytime during the week or just when you come to church? Do we have any desire? If you're saved, Peter's put it this way in 1 Peter 2 and verse 2. He said, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word of God. If I'm saved, I'm going to want to learn about God. 
The one who saved me, the one who gives me eternal life, the one who promises me heaven, I want to learn about him. So there's a new love for God's word. Secondly, there's a new awareness of sin. When you're born again into God's family, the Holy Spirit of God convicts you when you do something wrong. You're aware. Several years ago, I led a man to Christ. He was a pretty hard man, worked in a construction field. And uh, he always used foul language, and, and, uh, and I'd visit him in his home several times. And then he got sick, and he went to the hospital, and he said, Preacher, he said, I'm not going to get over this one. I'm not going to recover. And I shared the gospel with him, and he prayed with me there and asked the Lord to come into his heart and save him. And we talked for a little while, and in the course of the conversation, he said something like, he used the word darn or something like that. I forget what it was. And when, as soon as he said it, he looked at me and he said, see there, it's working already. I would have said it. And he said another word. And said, he said, I would have said that. <laughs> he hadn't been saved very long, but already he had a new awareness of sin in his life. You get saved, the Holy Spirit begins to convict you and help you. And then there's a new love for God. A new love for God. A new believer has a special love for God. The Bible calls this our first love. Revelation 2, verses 4 and 5, the Lord said to the church at Ephesus, He said, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. That love for God. And then there's a love for other believers. If you're saved, you'll have a love for God's people. You'll want to come to church and be around God's people and, and be a part of the family. This is, our, this is our, our church family. It's our God family, you might say. In 1 Peter 1, verse 22, it says, Seeing ye have purified your souls in obedience to the truth, through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. We love God's people. And then we have a desire to tell others. We have a desire to tell others. If you've been saved, that means that you do not have to spend eternity in the fires of hell forever and ever. You get to go to heaven and be with the Lord for all of eternity. Amen? Heaven and the new Jerusalem and all that's involved in that, but you get to be with the Lord for all of eternity. Don't you think I ought to want to tell people about that? Amen? Amen. If we're really saved, we want to tell people what happened. I heard about a man some years ago, he got saved. It wasn't in our church, it was in another church, but it was a revival meeting. And he came, and he came in the back door and went all the way over to the side, and he sat down over here about the third or fourth row on the side over here. And the preacher preached... He, God, the Holy Spirit, convicted him, and he came forward, and he got saved that day. And he went to work the next day, and he tried to tell the people what happened to him. He said, I got saved. And they said, well, what does that mean? What? He said, I don't know what it means, but he said, if you'll go down to that church, and if you'll go in the back door, and you'll go across to the, to the right side, and you'll go down to the third row, if you'll sit down in that third row, he said, you can get it too, he said. <laughs> he didn't know all to tell, but he wanted to tell. Hey. Amen. If God saved you, you're going to want to tell people about what he's done for you. And so the Lord tells us that if we'll put our faith and trust in him, he'll give us that new birth. We can be born again into his family and be a part of his family. Ephesians 2 verses 8 and 9 says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's not my works. It's not what I've done. I go to church. I read the Bible. I tithe. I do all. It's not what I did. It's what Jesus did on the cross. He paid the sin debt for me. 
This morning, I want to close with this question I, I ask you. Have you called upon God for your salvation? Has there ever been a time when you acknowledged before God that you were a sinner and that you deserved to go to hell, but you believed that Jesus Christ died for you? And in a sense, you turned your eyes toward that cross, just like they looked on that brazen serpent in the Old Testament and believed that if they'd look, they'd be healed. We believe that if we look to Jesus and believe in Him, He'll save us and give us eternal life. If you've called on Him, He's given you that eternal life. If you've not, today would be a wonderful time to do that. I hope you'll do it today. Let's bow.